This is Unfair Edge Audio. Oh my god, I'm a loser. I woke up so many mornings with that thought. Such a reversal of what I had always thought before. I mean, rewind a few years earlier. I was in college making pretty good grades, working a lot of hours at my full-time job. It wasn't a super cool gig, but I didn't think I was supposed to have one of those yet. So I settled for the undesirable work environment of the Applebee's kitchen, believing that one day I'd soon trade that for a corner office. I kind of felt that everything I was learning in college was elementary and useless, but believing that soon enough, as I advanced through the curriculum for my degree, I'd be learning something exclusive. Secrets I would discover nowhere else that would give me an edge over everyone else in the jobs market. I just needed to be patient. My ego was telling me, No, the professors just need to bring the other inferior kids up to your level before they reveal the most beneficial information. Yeah, I was that egotistical. Despite having accomplished nothing, the ongoing internal pat on the back I always gave myself was that I was destined to accomplish many things. And very soon, because after this exercise of getting the piece of paper that was a ticket to my dream job, I'd be smooth sailing into the career I always fantasized about. The girls came and went, each one of them prettier than the one that preceded them. I seldom worried about letting each of them go, and had no second thoughts about moving on. There was plenty of time ahead of me to find the perfect one, feeling entitled for a perfect one. It's so easy to take things and people for granted when you feel that the next one to step into their role in your life will be far better. Every morning back then, I woke up looking forward to the future. Fast forward a few years. Still not learning anything that seems beneficial at school. Not even tips about how to get a job in the industry we were there to study. Anxiety began to infest. The undesirable work environment went from being tolerable, considering the stage of my life that I was in, to being an oppression, sucking the life force out of me. Doing repetitive tasks without appreciation or hope for advancement gets on your nerves real fast when you're getting educated off the job to pursue a lifestyle above it. But graduation day is coming soon, after which you'll be able to put all of this behind you, and you'll look back on these days and laugh. Then I realized in senior year, the final semester, there is no information being passed down to me in this institution of higher learning that marketed itself to me as the highway ramp to my life's goal. Instead of taking the hint that my area of study, visual arts, because I wanted to be a cameraman, instead of taking the hint that my area of study was a window to the industry I wanted to work in, not a doorway, I listened to my ego as it said, don't worry, you'll get in just because you have a university degree to your name. It never dawned on me that the keys to the career I wanted were who you know, not what you know. So I skipped most of my classes. The material was still so elementary I didn't need to hear the lectures to pass the tests. That was the only thing I was right about. And at the job... I had a clock counting down in my head to the time I'd walk out of those doors never to return. The thought that I ever worked such a loser job would be good for a laugh someday. But while I was there, it was no laughing matter. Only a generator of misery. In the final two weeks, when you no longer care, it's no relief to know that the agonizing routines are almost over. They just feel even more agonizing. Graduation day was finally upon me. The toughest task of that day was sitting through a snore-inducing ceremony where some motivational platitude preacher recites the same tired cliches like, If you want to win at living, you gotta live for winning. Somehow it's supposed to change my life when I hear a sentence with the subject and predicate said one way, then reversed. 
After hearing strangers I don't know tell me I pulled off a great accomplishment, the rest of the day is taken up by people I know telling me how great I am. Parents, family, friends, all saying congratulations, meaning so well, and so unaware of the disservice it would later do to me. But I would never blame them, because the truth is the disservice was already done to me by myself. I was 25 years old, just graduated college, had ideas for businesses I wanted to start, eager to meet the love of my life. But first, it's time to kick down the door to the real world and find an awesome job I've been saving myself for during the whole time I was in the employment purgatory of the Applebee's kitchen. Time to do some apartment hunting, because this is the age I fulfill the declaration of my independence made in my adolescence. Life is to be lived on my terms now, and not based on the schedules of schooling and restaurant dinner rushes. That was the last day of happiness for a long time. Instead of taking off for lasting independence like the American colonies in the late 1700s, it all collapsed like the Confederacy in the late 1800s. Dream job? There's no such thing. Or at least, no way to such a thing. My new job? Stocking the shelves at Publix. Minimum wage? Part-time. My new residence? Back at home with my parents. Girls that used to fight over me now don't even notice me. I guess since I no longer come with the promising potential to be something better than just a college student seeking to rise above his poverty-level wage job, they see no value in me anymore. And it wasn't long before I saw myself in the same light. Savings account is depleting because a part-time wage won't pay the bills, even when you live at home. And the biggest bill you have is car insurance, eating up your earnings. While others from your graduating class can afford to take on mortgages, your self-esteem depletes with it. I look back on this now as a conflict scene in a drama, where the actors are me and the real world. And it goes like this. Me. I'm here to claim my place in the real world. And the real world says, good for you. Now get in your place and shut up. But I say, excuse me, but I'm educated. And I got a lot of knowledge to offer the world. So many skills I'm trained with. I was destined for a better lot. But it only responds, yeah, well, you're not the first one to say that. Publix needs a stock boy. Go there. That's what you're destined for. I'm sorry, but I think you've got the wrong guy. I'm Jonah Jones. UCF grad, entrepreneur, and all-around awesome dude. Look at this, you see? An accredited degree. Let me see that. Cinema studies? What the hell do you think that was going to get you? Go stock the shelves. Okay, um, I'll do this for now. It's better than Applebee's, I guess. And there's at least potential to move up, right? Yeah, sure. Go ahead and think that. You might need those fantasies to maintain some sanity. You know, I'm not sure I like the vibe I'm getting from you. And that means what to me? I did everything everyone ever told me to do. I went to school, worked hard, stayed out of debt, didn't commit any crimes, nor had any illegitimate kids, and most of all, I finished what I started. Good. That prepares you now to start something you'll never finish, stocking the shelves at Publix. Come on, man. I've been so responsible thus far. Look at my savings. I didn't blow it on crap I couldn't afford. I prepared for rainy days. I disciplined myself. It's time for that hard work to pay off, okay? Hey, that reminds me. I see you breathing over there. Give me money. You owe me money. I didn't say you could breathe. That will cost you. I'm taking a big chunk of that savings right now and recurring later. Forecast says, rainy days in the foreseeable future. It's a good thing you saved for them. You're right. It is time for hard work to pay off. Pay me off, that is. Okay, I've had enough of that. This isn't what I was promised. Now cut the crap and move me up. Who promised you what? 
Politicians? May as well have been. Look here, boy, I didn't promise you a damn thing. And I'll say this now. You're not getting a damn thing. You back in your place and do as I say. You don't like it? Boo-hoo. Cry me a river. That will cost you more of them savings. Better learn to shut up now. It goes just like that. Think of that scene from The Dark Knight Rises, where the greedy but wimpy businessman proclaims, I'M IN CHARGE HERE! And Big Scary Bane puts his hand over his shoulder to subtly threaten him, saying, Do you feel in charge? If this hasn't played out in your life yet, rest assured it will. And it won't be much different, no matter how well you rehearse for that scene. It's still part of a tragedy. You could be the greatest actor, or even a brilliant director, but the overbearing producer is the one in control of it all behind the scenes. He couldn't care less about your dreams or your vision. He always gets his way. It was only a matter of months before I was broke again and had to beg and borrow from my parents. After that, I was too embarrassed to even be social, let alone actually hang out with friends or go on dates. I mean, what was I supposed to tell them? Yeah, I know I graduated and did everything everyone said I was supposed to do, but that didn't get me anything, so I had to move back in with mom and dad. Just hearing myself think that immediately invokes an eruption in my head that screamed, Oh my God! I'm a loser! And that haunted me in almost everything I saw. New movie preview on TV? I can't go see it. Because you know what? I'm a loser and I'm broke. A gorgeous girl walking down the street? I can't go talk to her. Because you know what? I'm a loser and she'll laugh at me. And most depressing, seeing all of my friends posting pictures and status updates on Facebook of how awesome their lives are. But all I can do is mope around, reminding myself, I can't do any of that shit, because guess what? I'm a loser. The real world happened to me. Life happened to me. And all that remained was the shell of a sad, sorry-ass, voluntary victim. Speaking of which, I need to say a word about victimhood before I go any further. The first thing I have to say is that I do not intend to blame victims or insist that all are voluntary victims. I said I was a voluntary victim, because my life and circumstances were the result of my own choices. As you may have noticed, my ego got to my head a lot. I made no attempt to hide how great I thought I was. As we know, pride comes before the fall. I know very well that there are true victims out there. For example, people that are born disabled, women that have been raped, or the men that were good drivers, but some drunk nut slammed into them making them paralyzed to the point where they can't even use the bathroom on their own. These are not the people I'm referring to when I say voluntary victims. However, that doesn't mean this book will be of no use to them. And I in no way equate the day-to-day BS everyone goes through with the enormous setbacks these real victims face. This book isn't about physical setbacks and disabilities. It's about self-imposed mental setbacks and disabilities. Ask yourself, do you feel low and worthless because... You've felt that way ever since you were in preschool. Or do you feel that way just recently now because of others? Did birth make you feel this resentment or did others? The people that feel the latter are the ones I'm talking to. To live our lives and govern our thoughts in comparison to others and to base them on the opinions of others is no different from digging our own graves. But the irony of it is that all those others, and in fact everyone else in this world, is digging their own grave in the exact same cemetery in which you do. The ones that put down their shovels and kick over their tombstones are the ones that are gossiped about and given judgmental looks because they don't do as everyone else does. 
What everyone else does is only human nature. Therefore, these others must be freaks of nature. Adding to the irony, though, the heroes in movies, novels, comics, and especially the superheroes, are always freaks of nature. Fiction can be easily summed up as what the author of it wished life was like. After all, the boy doesn't always get the girl, and the bad guy doesn't always lose, and the endings aren't always happy. The only reason works of fiction exist is because real life isn't like that. So we can easily conclude that the freaks of nature are truly what everyone wants to be deep down inside. Why the shaming when we achieve that title? Or the fear when we even seek to achieve it? So where am I right now? Right now, I am a freak of nature. There won't be any bragging here because, frankly, that won't do anything for you. Listing off my qualifications to write this might make it easier for you to dislike or distrust me because it would sound like bragging. The mind is more inclined to think, oh, he just got lucky, or he found his big break. The only thing that really matters is that I'm no longer miserable. So my promise and hope for you is this. I can't promise that all that happened to me will happen to you, but I will take you through every thought I had in all that I had gone through. My hope is that, by effect, that will help you make those turnarounds happen in your life that I had in mine. I can honestly tell you that it was only thoughts in my head that brought me out of the abyss that I was in. To change our circumstances, we must change our thinking. Our thoughts influence our feelings and our feelings dictate our actions. Those actions we take will then determine the circumstances under which we live. The bad news is that it's so easy to let the things others say and do influence how you feel. But the good news is that there's nothing they can do that will have more influence than your own thoughts. And the greater news is that only you can control what you think. When you boil it down to this, nothing has any real meaning except for the meaning you give it. So who is this book for? Not to instill a type of hypochondria on you, but I want you to really ponder these questions. They are the ones that haunted me throughout the whole downward spiral of depression that was my life during this crisis. If these haunt your mind, then this is definitely for you. Do you feel like you're living a mediocre life? Nothing is atrociously wrong, but still, nothing seems to be going in your favor either. Do you feel like everyone else has life figured out except for you? For the first time in your life, do you feel your age beginning to weigh heavily on you? Do you feel you've lost direction, and there's nothing, nor anyone, that can give you any that you trust? Do you feel you don't know what you want to do with your life, as you've noticed it starting to pass by faster? Are you feeling the pressure to get a grip on adult life with order? Had you expected to be living a life on a much grander scale than the one you have now? Are you haunted by feelings of depression, anxiety, and hopelessness? Is the weight of the expectation for you to do, have, or be something getting heavier? Does it feel like your time is running out when it comes to finding a career and deciding if you want to get married and start a family? Are you facing choices that appear to have monumental effects on the rest of your life? Do you feel confusion and disappointment with your working life and career aspirations? Perhaps you know what you want to do, but are you having too much trouble getting it to work? Are you having difficulty making decisions and being certain about them afterward? Do you find yourself overthinking things and critically analyzing yourself too harshly? Do you worry you are disappointing other people, especially your parents? Is a bad breakup, bad relationship, or 
lack of a relationship, something so painful in your life that it haunts you every day, many times throughout. Do you still live with your parents? Have you often compared yourself to other people your age and feel you don't measure up? Does your financial situation keep you up at night? Are you contemplating going to grad school because you don't know what else you could do with your life? Does thinking about the future bring anxiety and panic? Certainly no one's life turned out like they planned, but is yours turning out to be the opposite of what you had hoped? A yes answer to ten or more of those questions means you are having a quarter-life crisis. If you're a twenty-something, whom this book is primarily for, you may have been given the false impression that you're supposed to have your whole life figured out by now. This is just a lie that those bad teen comedies would have you believe. The decade between age 20 and age 30 is a messy one with lots of puzzles to solve all throughout. Prior to now, you had your life planned and guided by others. Now, you're on your own. So the first thing I'll say is that there's really nothing wrong with you. Everyone suffers to a certain extent during this period. Your suffering probably isn't all that special. Why do we feel like failures? The answer is because we're set up. Because we're given the worst advice and words to live by, told to take it as gospel, repeat it to ourselves on a daily basis, and the positive results they're intended to produce should slowly materialize over time. Seriously, we're set up for failure by people with the best of intentions. Ever since you were in diapers, you were coddled and people took turns for the honor of getting to hold you. They tell you that you're cute or amazing and all you had to do was breathe. Then as you grew, your first words were an event the family felt need to celebrate. Your first solid shit in the toilet was an accomplishment equivalent to a Nobel Prize, according to your parents. Whatever crap you smothered onto a paper with finger paints was posted on the fridge and marveled at like it should be in a museum of fine arts. In my case, the atrocious attempts on the harmonica were met with applause from well-intended family members who didn't want to shatter my aspirations to one day be a musician. Before your balls drop, no one else has the balls yet to tell you that you suck. Later on, participation trophies were dished out at Little Leagues to keep you from feeling bad, only delaying the time you'd feel what you really deserve to feel. The passing of each grade level in school is celebrated by a ceremony designed specifically to make you feel special, as every kid gets a meaningless piece of paper that the real world wouldn't piss on to put out a fire. Then, as you pass all the grades and head off to college, every one of your elders applauds you for pursuing a higher standard. A higher standard that's really just a pricier piece of meaningless paper. Is it any wonder why we feel like such failures when we come to discover that all of the things we were told were just pieces of a big pile of bogus feel-good dog shit dished out to mask the painful truth we weren't mature enough yet to hear? That was the first chapter of the book, Crushing the Quarter-Life Crisis and Making Sure It's the Last Gasp of Misery in Your Life Ever. Available on Amazon. Get your copy now at an unfairedge.com slash quarterlife. This has been The Unfair Edge with Jonah Jones. See more at an unfairedge.com.